And welcome to everything in between. I can't tell if you're actually recording because Virgil Van Dyke's head is in the way. It's recording. Go ahead. Keep going. The podcast where a father-daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. And in front of the recorder is a... Funko Pop figure of Virgil Van Dyke. Yes, I got that from my the child that loves me the most for Father's Day. My brother. Exactly. So it's a really cool um, Funko. So um, because you know we're still celebrating that we're the champions of Europe, but um, <laughs> we'll take a picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just take a picture. Here, I'll do it right now. Um, and all I guess best laid plans. It's Tuesday again while we're recording. We did not record. We, we thought we were back to yeah, Sundays. Yeah, we jinxed it by. Uh... And I think the main reason is that today is the last day of school. So. Woo! Well, for me, it was yesterday. I'm not going today because there's no point. Yeah, we're recording in the morning. So basically, she's just, you know, you're playing hooky. I'm playing hooky. But, uh, but it was crazy. It was like, anymore, oh, just, I think it just didn't work out. This weekend was crazy. Last soccer games for everyone. Your brother finished undefeated. We, our team won the finished with a win too, which was great. Woo. Um, and then the World Cup and then the Copa America. One thing I will say, though, is with all the soccer, the summer of football, summer of soccer, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of empty seats in a lot of these stadiums. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was watching some of the World I mean, Cup the, games. The U.S. gets a full house. France is getting a full house. but um, And the Dutch, the Dutch were getting... Their game that they were pretty much sold out, but the rest was, which is lame. That should not be the case. It's great soccer. Pretty I'd much say. every game has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but then the Copa America, which is in Brazil, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing. There is no one at any games. We watched the Argentina Colombia opening match, Ooh. and it was empty. And then even the Brazil match, I mean, they played Bolivia, but um, that was empty too. Crazy, crazy. So. So I think they're they're all trying to figure out if they're if we're having saturation with too many tournaments and things like that. I mean that's that's fair because like, what do you decide to like go to, or you know? Well, no, I think well, I mean it's, it's all they're in different places, but still, even I mean it's the Brazil national team in Brazil, and you're not selling out the stadium. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. And Copa America usually. It's a pretty big tournament, but I think they do it too often because most tournaments are every four years. Mm. Um, this is. This has had at least three of them in the last four. There may have been like a two-year gap in the last one. And then there's like the Gold Cup for like the U.S., which I haven't even watched any of those games. And I don't think we're doing well, which is bad for the for U.S. The, men's. The U.S. men's team? Yeah. Well, we're not that good anyway, are we? No, but with this, we, no, we're not. But <laughs> we should we should at least being, be strong enough to make a statement or I should say maybe not make a statement. We should be able to compete with the teams in the gold cup. Mm. Um, but I, the, I know everybody was complaining about the whole USA Thailand, you know, the 13. I was goals. about to bring that up. 
they can score as many goals as they want. I think that's totally fine. Well, I was going to ask if you think that about the celebration. I think the celebration is tough to me is that, I mean, I get when you first, I mean, I've been hearing everything and this is not a male female thing. And that also pisses me off that I feel like we're, you're, a lot you're, of people are making it about like, yeah, and it shouldn't be. Female. And I just feel like people use it as a, as a crutch too. So like when your argument is that, oh, it's, it's because it's women, let's just say it's a male, a female male thing. I, I wholeheartedly don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. I believe that you score, it's a tournament. I think if they had put 15 past them, it wouldn't have mattered and it would have been fine. I don't have any problem yeah, with I that. I think that is totally fine for them to the be celebrating. I problem, think problem, yeah. And I think the problem I have is that, and I get what they were saying, is that like some of these people, when they were scoring their 11th, 12th, and 13th goals, that was the first goal for some of these people from some of the players. Yeah. So they yeah, wanted to was... cheer, and che- which is fine too. My problem was like, Alex Morgan, who's a phenomenal soccer player, thinks she's one of the best mm-hmm. ever. She scores five. And, you know, after you score, when you score a hat trick, I get it. Like, you celebrate like crazy. Mm-hmm. You get your fourth. You don't have to do it as much. But, you know, counting them out, like, after the, after you score, I was kind of like, look, it's Thailand. Like, I, I get it. Like, this is great that you've scored this ma- these many goals. Because it is. It's still at a high, high level. It's yeah. har- That hardly happens. But, okay, we're talking Thailand. So, you don't have to do that. And I, and they can say, well, the men do it. Look, there are. Ronaldo would do it. He's an asshole. We call him an asshole. People say that. So I don't understand why you can't say, well, then, if you're going to do that for other players. Because there are certain players that people just don't like because they pass and cross that line. So there's nothing wrong with cross that line. But don't sit there and tell me that, well, you know, it's male, female. I, I don't buy that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the U.S. look phenomenal so take all that away and yeah maybe they want that they want to be like look come bring it to us because that chile game they dominated as well and they could have put it probably another seven or eight goals in that game and and that if it wasn't for that they were close to beating another record too yeah well that keeper kept them in the game that keeper's phenomenal for uh, for chile but but again it's great and i think that's awesome that they're they're gonna go in with the confidence they have all i'm just saying is like look the game of soccer is to score goals it's not like holy cow let's go crazy i mean like that's your job right yeah, so yeah. i i i all excessive celebrations bother me as well like i'm the i come from the school of barry sanders you know you wouldn't even know who he that's is a pretty old reference well so. that guy would have been the best running back in the world had he not retired as as young as he did but he scored a touchdown he gave it to the referee went back to the huddle because that's what you're supposed to do I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, no, I don't know. No, you, no. You I, summed it up pretty well, I think. No, but again, I, I, I don't want people to think that, you know, it's like this us versus them or like whatever, all the other kind of thing. But um, but overall still, France looks still strong. Yes. Um, Germany will be interesting to see if they... They uh, won their last They game, right? did too. I watched the the Spain game, which was a mistake because it was just 0-0. Well, it's also hard at the end at this time because both of them, had they tied, they both want to go through it. Not that they weren't trying to win, but um, the last game's always weird because you don't want to get hurt to get into the knockout stage. Mm-hmm. So if you have the ability to get through, you kind of play a little bit more cautious. But, um, but the U.S.-Sweden game, which is next, is kind of interesting because, um, you know, if they tie U.S wins the the group because of the goal differential but if sweden wins not that they will but it this is kind of their first real test to see how how strong they are yeah well the interesting thing is that the countries that are 
mostly like the colonizers in history are doing better and the ones that they sort of they colonized and left in ruins when they left that's true i think are not doing as well and i think i mean like like in general it's like the countries that aren't doing as well are the ones that aren't doing well as countries sort of i guess i don't know but i think it's it circles back to the colonialism thing that we were talking about in history uh, that's a good point because I think they're they are definitely behind in all things in development in infrastructure and in putting money towards that program. So most of the European countries, yeah. well, at least even on the men's side, of course, were always that strong. And it wasn't until Latin American countries became strong. I think the African countries are the ones that have the 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 worst um, infrastructure for these types of things. So. You know, when you see Nigeria play or even South Africa play, I think um, I, I don't even know how they get funded because even on the men's side, they don't get that much. So you know that the women are getting yeah, there's already that inequality yeah. too. So, um, but what was kind of interesting is that in World Cups too, it's funny is that I don't know if it's funny, but it's rare to see a non-European country win on European soil during tournaments like World Cup kind of things. Yeah, um, and then. It, not as much vice versa, but in when it's in South America, um, it's usually a South American team that wins. Mm-hmm. It's the African nations that haven't yet really, um, I mean, I can't remember any African nation winning a World Cup. I mean, they also didn't start participating in the World Cup till probably maybe eight cups ago, maybe 30, maybe it's 40 years ago. Um so when Brazil hosted the last one, you know, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, fine. Brazil should hopefully take us our home for um, Germany to win it. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's like double slap in the face because it's a European country coming to a South America mm-hmm. winning the title. And then when it was in France, the, this past World Cup, actually, sorry, Germany was two World Cups ago, but um, last year's World Cup when it was in France, um, I totally forgot about like the history, so I was like, "Oh, Brazil has a great team. Finally, they should. They're gonna come back." And you know, everybody else was laughing at me. They're like, "They couldn't." They were trying to say like, "When was the last time a uh, South American com- country had won a European World Cup? You know, a mm, European hosted yeah. World Cup?" And, and I was like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot about that." And I think that it, I don't know if that's psychological or whatever it is, but on the on the women's side, um, like Thailand, like again that. Not that they're an African nation, all the first time they're in the World Cup and everything like that. But um, I just read the story to kind of tie it back to the other things we were saying. So the woman who is the manager of the of Thailand, uh-huh. she is the chief executive, like an insurance company. Oh wow! Of in there, and I don't know if you saw this, but when they played their last game, they scored. They scored against um, Sweden. And, oh yeah! And it was at the, in the I think an extra time or something like that, and. She hugged the coach. She was in tears, and people and the and the whole stadium went crazy because it was her first goal, right? It yeah, was kind of crazy. yeah. I, I like, remember that. That was I was actually kind of nice to see. It was that. really touching watching. Um, so she, this this woman, chief executive, right, f- helps funds the team. She hires all the soccer players so they can make they can actually make a living. So wow. all those soccer players work for that insurance company. She's done everything for that team. So like she was the one when they were saying like, you know, you're, people are looking at her and they're like, oh, why is she crying this and that? But the, she's not just the team manager. I mean, this woman is one of the most um, uh, 
influential business people in Thailand as well. And she just loves the game of soccer. And she's wow. giving this opportunity to this to this team. So like after they lost 13 nothing against the US, mm-hmm. she and the coach made them all the players go around the field to thank all their supporters. And everybody said it was such it was such a great thing to see because they were saying, like, look, it doesn't matter that we lost. You thank the people that came to watch you. That's what it's about. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you wish you just root for Thailand. Like, I mean, granted, whatever happens, I'm just like, I'm a Thailand fan. I'd get a jersey tomorrow because that's what the game's about. Like, we yeah. can't lose that. So So yeah, anyway, but there you go. Um, okay. Then what did we watch? We watched Easy A. I saw it for the first time. Right. It was hilarious. I, yeah, now Jess and I just keep making jokes about it to each other. It's a um, great movie. Yeah, it was really good. We watched some more Wellington Paranormal. We finished the season, yeah. Luther. <laughs> this is one of the most, this is like, reminds me of the first season of Luther. Mm. Um, if you have not watched Luther, what are you doing? Just do it. Netflix. Watch. I think the first four seasons are on Netflix, and the current season yes. that's on right now, which there was a big gap between the fourth season and this season, um, and this is one of the most intense. I mean, I, I it's been a long time since I've been screaming at the TV. Yes, <laughs> watching yeah. a show. I, after the episode that was. Sunday? That was the yeah, episode three. I think we were just sitting on the couch for like a second, like a, a whole, I don't even know how long it was after that, just like trying to understand everything that just happened. Uh, yeah, if you should watch it. it. I mean, it's not even, they're not, the, I think the first season is six episodes, and then I think it went like four episodes for the third, and then the, yeah, but they're really I mean, long the episodes. Four for the second, and then the third season oh, was only two. Maybe we're only in the fourth season. I don't even remember now. I thought we were in season five. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, but they're like it's they're like mini movies. They're they're kind of like an. It's uh, sort of like the formatting of Sherlock. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It is awesome. And like Idris Elba. So. Yeah. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um. Yeah. I don't know if this, there's anything else to talk about. School no, like, is out. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. You start your job in a couple weeks when you find out what it is. Yeah kind of angry they didn't tell me yet but you know it's fine it's fine fair enough my birthday is soon Woo! i think i said that for the past three episodes uh-huh but my birthday is soon okay Woo! Well, let's just get to it. you already doing yes yeah i'm doing um paranormal all right cool yeah here we go all right so as i said i'm doing paranormal uh this is the indiana central state hospital i Yes, no, maybe? I don't. <laughs> Nothing's ringing a bell. All right. Well, um, I didn't realize until like really far into the story that they did it on that. And that's why we drink. I don't remember what episode it was. I think it might have been episode 60, but I can't remember. But um, yeah, I just completely just didn't realize. Uh, but it's kind of a short story. Uh, I know that yours is really long, so that's good. Um, and let's just jump right into it. All right. So, um, the hospital is in Indiana, if you couldn't tell. Um, it was opened in November of 1848, which was 21 years after it was authorized to be built and everything. Um, so, at first, there were a whopping five patients uh, and one building that just was the hospital. 
Uh, and then for the first 50 years, all the hospital was doing was just storing patients. They weren't trying to help them get better or anything. They just were just putting them there. You mean, wait. It was a, it was a, uh, till they asylum. died. Pretty much. It was an asylum. So we can't cure you. Just go here. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah. Not great. Um, but by 1928, there were almost 3,000 patients, um, and they're still in building, but they had about 100 acres of land. So 3,000, again, just to keep, like, cattle. I think by this point, they were starting to, like, actually... So now they're people. actually, they yeah. have doctors, and they're trying to oh, cure. Wait. Actually, first 50 years. How far? So maybe. I don't know. What's 50 years after 1848? I don't know. I don't feel like doing math. 1898. So, yes, they're starting to heal people. Listen, school's out. I don't really do math anymore. Math is a thing of the past. (laughs) Okay. I don't even know if that's math because it's just addition. I know it's part of math, but addition is part of math, and therefore, I will not be devoting any brain cells to it. My brain cells consist only of doing the most mundane tasks. That's all I aim to do. All so, right. Well, you should always ask Emma for change because she'll get a lot more than you need because she can't do the math. So keep going. <laughs> or I'll give a lot less than you need. So. Well, you won't know. So when somebody's like, this isn't enough, <laughs> how would you know? Hmm. Exactly. Right. There you go. I see some flaws in my plan. That's okay. I won't worry about that right now. Exactly. So by 1948... Uh, the hospital had two massive buildings for male and female patients. Um, the female, like, building uh, was, like, the most massive and the most ornate, and they called it the Seven Steeples because of how ornate it was. So, you said you're on the first picture right now, right? Yep. That's just a drawing of the hospital um, around, I don't know what time, but it didn't have a date. But... Most of the pictures are just of the hospital. Um, yeah, just, it's pretty big. There's some people there. So, um, yeah, just a drawing. Uh, and then the picture after that is a picture of the grounds in 1893. That's just a a spooky picture in general. Like that in itself, if you showed me that picture, I'd be like, that's haunted. (laughs) Um... Then the next picture is in 1921. So, yeah. It's, it's pretty big, as you can see there. It's like and its own little town. Yeah, it does look like a town. There's some labels. You have to kind of zoom in to see them. But, yeah, pretty cool. They uh, they had a pathological department. Yep. Um, they had a farm colony for occupational fa- therapy for the patients. Uh, they had a chapel. Uh, so they had an amusement hall complete with an auditorium, billiards, bowling alleys, a bakery, a firehouse, a cannery, which was manned by the patients, and gardens and fountains. Hmm. So, quite cool. Um, so, yeah, I told you about the seven steeples. And luckily, uh, the hospital was not overcrowded because a bunch more institutions were built uh, around 1905. Okay. So they were perfectly normally crowded. <laughs> um, I, it, it's just like a huge campus, so I mean. Yeah. Um, so 
However, in the 1970s, uh, many of the buildings were deemed unsound and were torn down. Just because they weren't, they just they weren't kept that kind of thing. It just yeah, pretty wear and much. Tear They're just like the... falling into disrepair and had been like built for so long or stuff like that. They were just falling apart. So they tore them down, but then they built new ones. And the article that I got this information from uh, was sure to let me know that the new buildings were much uglier than the old ones. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Well, I guess if it's a state hospital, if they don't have the funding, I could see why they weren't keeping it up to, you yeah. know, up to snuff. And then, but it's just odd that they tear it down and then build new ones when it would have been cheaper Instead of like, just keeping it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But fair enough. But right. apparently the old ones were more like Victorian. Well, I mean, from that picture and even the one you're showing, it did look like the architecture was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the next picture is from 1985 and it looks a lot different. That's the topograph? Topographical? Yeah. Um, yes. They have a, a lot less building. Well, I mean, that's the whole same size campus of the one previous or it's just a, I it's think a it's section? I the same size. Oh my god, there's might, a lot actually less Actually, it might be just a section because it looks like there's stuff poking up from the top. Um, but I can see how the buildings are just different. like your typical generic buildings. single story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. So definitely not as grand as it used to be. Um, so in 1994, the hospital was forced to close due to allegations of patient abuse and um, also funding problems. So, so it was, it was a, so that's about 150 years after yeah. it was built. I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, so it's a this, long time. Yeah. So the seven steeples, um, that's been torn down. The uh, men's dorm was also uh, torn down, and they were replaced with a lawn. So is the, it's, but the state owns the land. because it was so. So, okay, so. I mean, I see baseball I fields and stuff in that other picture from the one you showed. That you sh- so they so it's right now. It's it. Well, I don't, it's. I don't think you're allowed to go there right now. So the so there are some buildings still there. There's still some buildings that are just sort of like decaying, and you're not allowed to go. So the land is just basically unoccupied, and it's like to a a true horror set. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, let's talk about the barbaric treatments, shall we? Mm. <laughs> um, so below the grounds uh, existed over five miles of concrete service tunnels. Um, they were also known as the catacombs. To connect all the buildings? Connecting everything. So this was built, they did that when they did the original? Yes, I think so. Oh, okay. So yeah, it goes throughout the whole thing. And I feel like that is something that happens a lot with asylums because um, they were like used to like transport the really loud patients sort of but that but that was a design back in like the 18 i believe so 40 i mean the question is when you build something new now do you do the same thing i don't know if it's still i wasn't looking into the architectural habits of well i'm wondering i'm just (laughs) you know it, it just seems like that that cost of building underground tunnels can't be cheap yeah yeah um but don't worry, they were put to good use as rumors surfaced that the cells uh, carved off, like there were cells carved off of the tunnel that uh, the most violent patients were kept chained and manacled. So they put people underground in, in like tunnels, a dungeon. Chained into the walls. 
And I don't know why I said rumor because there are like chains and manacles still there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, it was also said that the tunnels were used so that patients could be moved without fuss to the local jail or a small airport located nearby if the need arose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And I think in some other um asylums they've done they've said things like you know, like body shoots and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember seeing one uh, when we watched and, one of uh, the... BuzzFeed and Solve, yeah. 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 Um, Which was kind of spooky. That was kind of crazy. Yes. So, not fun. But it seems like it's kind of common in a lot of these asylums. So, um, a lot of the basements under buildings that were not the tunnels, but they were just basements, uh, were used as dungeons throughout the 1800s for the patients. So, not quite as bad as you know, manacling them to these tunnels, but still pretty bad. So they were just, okay, so cells that, so they kept, I just, cells pretty much underground, which are terrible. All right. Yeah. Um, patients who, quote, screamed incessantly or were, quote, criminally insane were placed in these dungeons, pretty much. Okay. Um, so instead of, you know, helping them and, talking to them and stuff like that just shove them in the basement parenting um, 101 yeah so the basements uh lacked proper ventilation light or heat and many people died while they were imprisoned down there okay yeah um and many of the patients were not actually insane which isn't that much of a surprise because we hear about that kind of stuff all the time that like people Right, they just had, uh, it's not being insane, it's just that they had some type of disorder. Well, no, not even that. People just couldn't take care of their, like, their children or people like that or stuff, I think. No, yeah, just their family couldn't slash didn't want to take care of them. So they were a burden to the family, and they're like, oh, you're insane. We're yeah. going to send you to the Indiana and of State course, Hospital. Like, I didn't put it in my notes, but all the time, like, women are were often put in insane asylums because of just, you know, being women. So anyone strong-willed. Yes, yeah. Um, okay. So a lot of the patients who died at the hospital were buried in unmarked graves. So the more recent deaths do have marked graves. But um, I think you can visit the cemetery. I just don't think Wait, you can go you in the buildings. More, more recent, like within... Before the hospital closed, like I think after so the 70, 40s. So 70, like 70, all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, but like the 1800s and early 1900s, I don't think... There's Mark Grace. But I think you can visit the cemetery, but I think you just can't go in the buildings because they're like, I don't know, hazardous. So um, I don't know if this was a different hospital that I was talking about, that I was doing research for and didn't end up including, but I believe there was also some like lobotomy stuff with treatments that were very risky that didn't go well. Um, but I feel like that would... That was what happened during the time. So. Yeah, that was a lot of hospitals. Um, so then, without further ado, let's get into the hauntings. So, uh, we'll start with the old powerhouse basement. Uh, you can hear a woman screaming from a corner of the basement. Like, the woman's there, but you can hear the scream is coming from the corner. Um, you can see shadowy figures moving from cement post to cement post. Um, the coal conveyor belt will just turn itself on and off, um, and it would bring coal, 
coil. It would bring coal to the boiler. Yep. Um, so an employee who, I mean, obviously this was before the hospital closed, but um, there is an employee who was on a break there and he took a nap in a room in the basement uh, near the pumping station. He awoke as he was being choked by unseen hands by a menacing presence. He broke the grasp and ran to the light switch and no one was there. There were deep red marks around his neck where he was choked. And that's a quote from the website that I got this from. Haunted houses. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Lots of malevolent spirits in this one. Um, but some nice ones too, which we'll get to. So the pathology building, um, you'll hear noises coming from the basement when no one's down there. Pretty average. Uh, the administration building, you'll hear footsteps um, walking from the lobby to the window in front of the main desk and then back again. Uh, then in the tunnels, um, there was, while the hospital was still running, there was this female patient who would often just like break away from the, the attendants and stuff and just wander the grounds. Um, and she especially would be wandering near the entrance of the tunnels. And when a nurse asked her why, she said she came to talk to her friend, Al. Um, and it turned out that like in the past few months or years or something, there had been a man that had gone missing named Al. And when they searched the tunnels, they found his, uh, body. Huh. And he had just died in like a recessed area or something. Um, and that's that story is how I remember they covered it. And that's why I'm gotcha. um, So moans have been heard throughout the tunnels, especially where the chains and manacles have been found. Okay. Which makes sense. So the dorms, um, maintenance workers have heard cries and screams coming from the dorms. Um, which was not uncommon, uh, uncommon when the hospital was still in use. Right. Um, and on the second floor of the woman's dorm, a lady wearing a bathrobe has been seen running down the hall. And she's been seen on the inside and also from the outside, like looking into the... Okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Um... So on the grounds, um, there's this grove of trees where apparently one patient killed another patient and those who pass by can sometimes hear the cries and groans of the victim. Um, also strange orbs have been spotted on the grounds, which we will come back to. <laughs> uh, so the graveyard, people dressed in hospital gowns have been seen in the graveyard. Shadows move from grave to grave and screams have been heard in the cemetery. And that's like the one part, I guess, that you can technically go, well, I don't know if you can go on the grounds. But that's the part that like, you can actually visit the graveyard. And these are all witness accounts from when it was still open versus... Most of these. Yeah, the graveyard, I think some of them are from after it was... So these are like all pre-1994. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so there has been some investigation. No, not from my favorite. Uh, just, I can't mention the name, so I don't, we're not giving, just move on. Uh, so a woman named Maggie Zoyce, uh, and her team, they were struggling to open some of the windows. Um, 
and they heard a voice like they were basically just they were like do you know how to open this do you know how to open this right and then they were just struggling and then they heard a voice saying pull down from the top nobody had said anything wasn't a familiar voice they tried pulling down the top it worked huh they have this recording i don't know i tried to find it and i couldn't find it but i'll try to look a little harder and maybe i'll see if i can find it um and Zoys also heard the voice of a girl, which I believe they got on recording. Huh. Okay. So I'll see if I can find that one too. Um, all right. So I have some pictures for you. Okay. Both of um, alleged ghosts, mostly orbs. All right. Which is why I said we come back to it. So you can go to the first one. Um, okay. The orange oval, I mean, it's pretty stupid. I don't know why they put that there. Like, you can clearly see without... I don't know. Um, but you can see there's a bunch of orbs, quote-unquote, look more like, you know, specks of dust or stuff on the camera to me. And then inside the circle, I guess there's something. Yeah, I see it. It's trying, it looks like... It's supposed to, I think they're trying to say it's a face with, like, a oh, shadow. Oh, I see it. It looks like a little boy. With, like, a hood or something. No, oh, I don't see a hood. I just see, like, a little boy's face. Like, it looks like he's blowing bubblegum and there's, like, a rib cage. Like, hold on. You know what's great about Google Drive? You can select parts of an image and comment on it. So, I'm just going to do that. Okay. That's, like, the face. Wait. See? Okay. Oh, you know why? I'm in the wrong picture. Oh, my. The order was different. I was looking at... Um, You're looking at 05? Uh, uh, 05, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's on, why Dad, I'm looking at... Get your crap together. It looks like the face, and then right below it looks like a rib cage. Um, of course. Yeah, I see the face. I, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't see the rib. I think yeah, the picture is... I mean, it's probably not real, honestly. Oh, I see what you're saying. The body of the... Yeah, yeah it looks yeah, like yeah, a little yeah, boy. Yeah. Um. And he's kind of like right in the middle of the oval too. If you're yeah, no, I I can I, I yeah I see what you're saying. I just I think you your mind makes you want to see what you want. What oh, you I want think to there's see. a lot of psychology involved in it. Like, and um, what I don't understand when when was this when was this picture taken? Do you know? It was post 1994, right? I think so. All right. Which I think means somebody was trespassing. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. They may get you. Still, may be allowed pending on because like, I, I don't think they want to send police out <laughs> if they're like so if you're because you'll get more trouble for that yeah uh, all right yeah no i i i mean i don't believe that's anything yeah i think it's just both the psychology of it playing tricks on your mind and just like things lining up to make it look like yeah it's funny because when you zoom in more it doesn't look as it's when I zoom out is when I'm like oh, okay I see something and then when you zoom that's in, that's like, the yeah. opposite for me I All see right. nothing when I zoom out and something when I zoom in yeah well you say well okay. this will be on the website so you tell us yeah. what you see and then the other one you're saying five yes the other one I yeah I see the face in the hood it looks yeah. kind of like Jason Voorhees looks like a mask yeah me. and then there's more orbs in that one which I guess are more defined than the other one they look less like yeah. speckles of dust but still probably tricks of light it's dust well i'm just trying to like offer up some other theory like i'm reaching here but i'm I'm trying well i just find like there was somebody else saying something i was just going on about how you know we live in a world of um 
of cameras now, everything. So it's just odd that for all the things that people say they've seen or... And like Photoshop is so easy. Well, yeah. But even there, like you just think that you would, you have a camera on you at all times. And again, sometimes it's just a split second, whatever it may be. But just all this stuff is that why aren't we then seeing more of the things? Because now we have more... there are more devices to capture things right yeah so and with all that like special ghost tech with like those infrared cameras and stuff like that i mean that stuff i get and i just don't know what you would get anyway i thought you're gonna go with this the the uh oh my god the the speaker thingy the The box whatever it's spirit box spirit box my (laughs) just a freaking radio I like the Radio Oculus. Shack. We built those things like in our rooms when we were kids. And we thought they were, if we just pick up freak radio frequencies from all over the place. And we're like, oh, ghosts. So that's what we, so we can just say that, you know, we were listening to ghosts, whatever. <laughs> okay. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I hadn't, like I hadn't heard of the, I, I mean, I know that they do a lot about like asylums and um, state hospitals and things like that, but I didn't know about that one. Um, yeah. Um, I, while I was looking this up, I, a bunch of other ones came up, and one of them was Danvers, yep. uh, which is supposed to be super haunted. Yep. Yep. So maybe I'll cover that one soon. Um, you can go. I can go. <gasps> Yay! By yourself. Wait, what? Huh. <laughs> With your friends. Have them. Cause Are have we allowed s- to Have go? a sleepover. I think as long as you get, you ask ahead a of time. A sleepover yeah. in a hot... You know. With your spirit box. I don't have... You can build one. I'll get you the Radio Shack stuff. Yeah, I'll build a spirit box. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, All right, well, you know. You know, they have apps for that now, Dad. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's the hospital. I wish there was a little bit more to tell you about, but that's it. All right, well, there you go. Yeah. Be careful. Boo. Boo. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm doing uh, true crime. Serial killer. What? I just remembered. I think there's actually they actually might have turned the asylum into a museum. Not all of it, but a part of a it. Part of that? Yeah. Maybe. It's like a medical history museum. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, please continue. Yeah, just true crime, serial killer. We're going to be in Florida around 1989, 1990. I feel like you've done a lot of Florida stories recently. Oh, that's true. This one, I don't even know why this one. This one came up in my uh, Flipboard one of the stories that just kind of came up um there was an anniversary for something and that's why i'm just like i'm just trying to find things that i don't know about and Mm -hmm. this one i didn't know about i mean you probably have heard it because like the 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 nickname for this person when we talk about it you'll be like oh yeah because i feel like that's a known nickname but i did not know the story well please educate me all right um when we were before we, we started this, I know you were asking if I had pictures, and I was trying to explain to him. I thought, I just don't do pictures. It's all about the imagination. Let your mind wander. Buddy. Okay. Plus, they wouldn't go on the website until like weeks later, so it wouldn't matter. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so so I guess the way I'm going to start with this is that you have made a pretty good effort on increasing your horror movie repertoire, correct? Y- yeah. You've been trying to see a bunch? Um Unfortunately, well, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. I've influenced your uh-huh. m- the films well, you've because watched. Because you're like the master of horror. No, no. I, again, I, I, I you definitely know everything. I, that's no, 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 no. I definitely uh, I, I'm in one camp. Others are in other camps. Like my camp is, uh, I like the supernatural, 
more ghost paranormal you know unexplained and you know that's true crime horror right i'm not a torture porn kind of guy like i just well yeah i just not a big fan of that kind of like let's just open up somebody the saws and all that stuff i feel like like, a lot of those movies aren't that great either they're kind of low budget well i mean i I mean the ones i've heard of I, i guess what i would say is that there are, there are definitely different extremes. So, I mean, I like a good slasher film. Like, I mean, I grew up on Jason Voorhees, uh, um, Freddy Krueger. Why is he coming up today? We were talking about him at breakfast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like Freddy Krueger, um, you know, uh, same Mike Meyer. Like those, like that 80s. Stuff to see. And there's a bunch of other ones too. Like, I mean, there's like all these other slasher films. Like there's one thing called Silent Night, Deadly Night that goes around Christmas. There's a thing about a sorority the house on sorority row like there's all those were all the big things so i saw a bunch of those um and i guess i would say there was a time probably where i would watch anything and everything and get my hands on i mean pretty much the summers of 85 to like 90 i think every night i would we would rent like i would rent but a bunch of us would rent a, a horror movie so i i think i went through the whole catalog of horror films um up to that point um wow and then I think it changed, right? I feel like in the, I don't know exactly when the point was, but it definitely was in the 90s where the found footage films became the big thing. Like Blair Witch started. And then I have all to sudden, see that at some point, yeah. though. And again, Blair Witch should have just been 45 minutes long, but that's a whole different story. We can talk about that later. But um, that took off. So every film became this found footage film. And then like the torture porn, like the saws came out. So like, I feel like I stopped watching horror mm. for a while. Um at least American mainstream horror. I kind of went into then Japanese horror, th- The Ring, you know, uh, The Garage. Like those were really cool because they mean, were. Sm- you will never catch me watching The you, Ring. You should watch The Ring. The Ring is a good. The, like, I, the, you that should one, watch too much for me. The Japanese version first, and then the American. Because the American version, like the remake, wasn't that bad. Um, and then the other <sighs> thing that kind of happened was there was a couple other folks where, you know, with that. Japanese it introduced me to more foreign horror so it was good I mean I like the Japanese thing but they also got saturated pretty quickly because then all of a sudden there was sequel after sequel and then the remakes like I was saying before but then I got to British horror films which were pretty cool um the uh the descent which is one of is a great it's an all-female cast that that's I think I put that on your list you should watch Neil Marshall was one of the major directors for for from the British side and then I got introduced to Guillermo del toro oh, who yes. did incredible spanish ghost stories my one of my favorites called the devil's backbone i know I, I still want you to see that he produced another one called the orphanage i think he may have helped write that a little bit but that's another great what's spanish the one you were just talking about the other day the house of the devil is that what you're talking about because that's uh, that's ty west like he's the no it was one that he did it's the devil's backbone then oh okay and then i mean he did pan's labyrinth as well that's what it was yeah yeah but um and then yeah I, that kind of got me back into horror, and that was probably more into like the early two thousands when you know that kind of came back, kind of thing, and or maybe even more recent. But um, but Ty West, he has that great like the House of the Devil, and a lot of these movies that started to come back were kind of like a slow burn type of thing. Um, the other thing that came about where these was a flip side where the movies were kind of parodies of horror. They kind of took a tongue in cheek, you know. Like basically, they they were making fun of the idiocy of teenagers of all those slasher films from like the eighties and things like that. Um, Me. So for you, 
you still need to see more of these slasher films before you can start to watch the parodies because I think you just won't get all the Easter eggs that are in yeah. these movies. I think we were talking about that too, about having to watch all this. Yeah, stuff. I think you, there's. I mean, you got to see the core ones. I mean, I know you've seen Friday Thirteenth. You do need to see. I mean, you can see definitely one of the nightmares. Um, a couple the other. The Exorcist. We have to. I mean, it's not slasher, but we have to watch yeah, that still. Yeah, the Exorcist is good par- paranormal, but there's a few that you'll get. You'll understand, but during that time of the parodies, right? You know, there 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 was a. a a franchise that came out that talked about the rules of horror, right? What are the three rules? So I'm not sure if you've heard this oh, or not. Oh, didn't you say this during? Rule number one is, and this is again specifically towards teenagers when you're in a film, never have sex. Yes. Rule number two, never drink or do drugs. Rule number three is never say, I'll be right back that was to a group of friends. That was the big fat quiz, that's why. Or say hello or who's there to something in the dark. Those are the rules. Yeah, now, these rules came from the Scream franchise, and that was produced by one of the horror greats of all time, Wes Craven, who did Nightmare and a whole host of other movies. And the main writer of this movie, his name is Kevin Williamson, well, he based this whole sc- franchise on a true crime from 1989. Are you serious? And that's the story we're going to talk about, the story of the Gainesville Ripper. <gasps> I know the, the name. I don't know the story. I didn't know the details of the story either. But so for our sources, all that's interesting, Murderpedia, ThoughtCo, Oxygen had a couple, actually two stories about the original and then um, original kind and then like a 25 years later thing. Um, Wikipedia, uh, this all started with an article that I read from Complex that I got on my uh, flipboard. It was one of the worst written articles I've ever read, but it started me down this path. So we're going to go into the crime timeline. Crime timeline. And I'm just jumping right into the murders. Yeah. All right. I don't blame you. I'm not, I, may, I don't know if we're going to have time for the bio, because this is a, pretty long, of the, of the person <laughs> themselves. So it's the last week of August. We're in Gainesville, Florida. Yes. Students are heading back f- to go to college. So, you know, getting ready for the, the, the coming year, the fall semester. Wasn't unusual for upperclassmen or others to basically come earlier to, you know, move in. Um, and... They did that mostly because if they were renting off campus, because they needed, uh, they usually move in like the first of the month, so they would maybe it's come in. College, or, this said? is college campuses, but in Gainesville, there was there were many universities, community colleges, things like that. Um, uh, so they didn't also have enough housing, so you would definitely rent off campus, and it was cool, of course, to uh, rent off campus. Um, and the problem though was. It was so much cheaper also to rent off campus, but you would get apartments that were pretty much run by slumlords. They were barely livable, but if you're a poor college student, what does it matter? It's yeah. a lot cheaper than room and board at a university. So some lights don't work, doors wouldn't close, let alone have locks. Um, oh, the perfect setup. And rarely would police be making their rounds in these you know, apartments off, off campus. So safety may have been a concern for some, but the boogeyman had already been caught years earlier. Mm. If you remember, around I 1989, there was also, the, the, he had been executed, or Ted Bundy. So that was kind of the, because this is the same area. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, can lightning strike twice? I mean, come on. <laughs> yep. But on the flip side, because it was less patrolled, things like that, party central. Mm. Right? So no complaints, noise, this, that, whatever. So, Sonia Larson, 18, and Christina Powell, 17, were incoming freshmen at the University of Florida at Gainesville. Okay. 
they had moved in early August, so they were there August 1st or around that time to get into their apartment. Um, and they got they were there also just kind of get to know the area, get a feel for the campus, that kind of thing. I don't know where they originally were from. I think they were still from Florida. On Thursday night, August 23rd, they went out partying with some friends. Mistake. <laughs> During their night out, they were noticed. Oh. After midnight, in the early hours of the 24th, basically, the uh, of Friday the 24th, they made their way home. Uh. Powell crashed on the downstairs couch. Larson went upstairs and crashed in the bedroom. The killer, armed with an automatic pistol and a Marine Corps K-bar knife, broke into the apartment through a rear door. He stood over Powell and found Larson, uh, and, sorry, he stood over Paul, Powell on the couch, but didn't wake her. He then crept upstairs oh. and found Larson asleep in her bed. Just at, leave. Just at that leave. moment, he paused to decide what he was going to do with him. Leave. His decision was to kill Larson first. No. He placed duct tape over her mouth and proceeded to stab her repeatedly. She oh. fought back, but she died within minutes of the attack. Oh, God. He then proceeded to go downstairs to meet Powell. Again, she was still asleep. He covered her mouth with duct tape, as well as taping her arms behind her back. He cut her clothes off with the knife, and he assaulted her. Oh, God. He then, when he was done, he then put her on her stomach and stabbed her five times, causing her to die. Oh. He then posed with the bodies in different positions. So he actually put like the bodies in... pictures? They didn't say, like, I thought that's what was the case, but I think he just put them in certain positions. Oh, he position. posed the bodies. He that's posed the said. bodies, and he posed with the bodies. They said, kind of, you know, Red Dragon-esque. Oh. All right? I don't weird. think he took pictures, or I didn't see any evidence that he had taken pictures, but he put them in sexual positions and things like oh. that kind of thing. Um, he then showered before leaving. Oh, my God. That's just... So that I happened. Hate when that happens. That Friday, like I mean, again, it was Thursday evening when they went out, but it's early morning of Friday, right? In less than forty-eight hours, calls started coming into dispatch of the local police department from the parents of both Larson and Powell, saying that they just had, couldn't get in touch with their kids, oh. and that they had scheduled to see their kids so very soon. So they were just wondering, this is not them. This doesn't make sense. Whatever that kind of thing. So a police car was sent out to the apartment. At first, there was no concern, as you know, it was typical for college students to basically go out party, crash somebody else's home. When the police went more and did more of an investigation, they noticed that the rear door had been forced open, and then they would soon discover the bodies. Oh. So they call the police, right? They now, they now quarantine or you know, um, tape around the, uh, the uh, apartment when one Ellen Stimple shows up and it's like, what the heck's going on? Well, Ellen was the third roommate oh, of Powell Larson. Oh, my God. And she had no idea what was going on. She almost walked in. I don't <gasps> know how she could have walked in, but they said she almost walked in. They had to stop her. They pulled her aside. They told her she collapsed in shock. And they don't go into much detail, but there, there was one article saying that, you know, she had, she was going to go out with them, decide not to, end up going somewhere else. So she was that close to death. That's terrible. And here's another crazy thing. So the pers- the policeman who actually discovered the bodies was an officer, Ray Barber. Okay, His wife, Gail Barber, was also a police officer. Uh-huh. I don't know if they were in the same department or the same um, uh, yeah, actual I- precinct, but you know they were in the, in the county. Gail had a friend 
Krista Hoyt. She's a 22-year-old college student, and she actually uh, worked at the police station on the night shift to be like a clerk, uh, um, just to make extra buck. Ray, of course, had come home to tell Gail what happened, what he had found, this and that, and everything else, and what they'd found at the university apartments. And, you know, of course, they're like, oh, my God, this is like Ted Bundy. What's going on? Um, he told her, though, this wasn't reported originally, that the bodies had also been mutilated, that their nipples had been cut off, oh. and not all of them were recovered at the scene. Oh. It was even said that one of the bodies, actually, maybe not this one, this is a little I'll tell you when you get to that, to that part. So... Within the 48 hours, so it happened on a Friday night. It took a day or two before they were even noticed missing. And that's when the parents came, and then they went to go find the body. So the time that they discovered the bodies, I think, was almost 24 to 36 hours after they had been killed. Wow. In that same time, roughly a couple miles away from the Powell Larson house, the killer would identify his next victim. On Saturday, August 25th, in the early hours, so I think at this point, they still haven't discovered the other bodies yet. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So they haven't been reported missing. Powell and Larson have not been reported missing. So during that time, on the 25th, he would break into an apartment through a window. He would have his pistol, his knife again, and I guess I should have said he had duct tape, of course, because he had it in the previous. Right. No one was home when he broke in, so he just waited in the bedroom. Oh, God. Oh, my God. At 11 a.m., that morning. So he came in early hours, like three in the morning, roughly, I think. Um, so he's waiting in the bedroom at 11 a.m. Krista Hoyt would return home from her night shift as being the clerk at the police department. Oh my God. He's waiting for her. He surprises her, tapes her mouth shut, tapes her arms behind her back, cuts off her clothes, assaults her. Oh God. Then he turns her on her stomach and stabs her to death. Oh my God. He'll, he cuts off her nipples, oh my God. and he poses the body again, and he places the nipples next to her. He decapitates her, oh. takes the head, puts it on a bookshelf <gasps> to face the door when anyone comes into the room. Oh, my God. And apparently he poses with the body as well. At least there was evidence. Okay, So oh the body is now sit up, placed up against the bed, but it's bent over. Because it can't stay up right. with no head, right? When Krista doesn't report to work that evening, the evening oh, of the Saturday, right? God. Gail Barber goes to check on Krista Hoyt, oh, the wife of, of the, the of yeah, Ray, who found the first body. Of the bodies. So this is now the early hours of Sunday, now the twenty sixth, because she would have had the night shift. It's like one a.m. They go to the house and there's like no panic. They're like, hmm, they don't see anything, but then they notice her car is still in the driveway. Then they do a search. They look around. They find out that the window had been broken open into. Oh, God. They go in there. They find the body. All right. When they lift up her body, they find out that she had been um, basically cut from her throat down to the pubic bone. Oh, my God. She didn't go to the University of Gainesville. She went to a community college. So that gets out. Now people are like, this is insane. We have this random murderer because they're not, a, it's not picking anyone. Yeah, they don't know what's going on. They're thinking, is this a Ted Bundy copycat? Um, students are now not coming back to college. Students are leaving college because they're like, there's this killer out. Um, by that Monday, so they've discovered her Sunday early morning. By that Monday, you know, the press is all over this. 
they have a press conference Monday evening, just trying to tell people to be mind to be watchful that they're looking, they're trying to figure everything out. Again, in that period of time, the killer's already identifying their, the next victim. So oh my God. they're finding the bodies after, like hours later, and he's already moved on to the next one. So we're talking again less than 24 hours from Hoyt's death, the press conference. We're at August 27th. Again, roughly around 3 a.m. in the morning. 3 a.m. in the morning? (laughs) The killer enters the apartment of Manuel Taboda and Tracy Inez Paulus. They're both 23. Manny, he goes by Manny, is six foot one. Whoa. All right. He's an athlete. He weighs over 200 pounds. Did you know, but I know, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, but you just reminded me. Did you know that Caillou is 5'8"? Who? The cartoon character, Caillou. <laughs> it's like a huge thing right now. I, you just reminded me when you said 6'1". The four-year-old cartoon character, the bald one. 5'8"? 5'8". Are we talking about um, Airbender here? No, what? Uh. What are you talking about? What? What's Kai? Oh, Caillou the the. Oh wait, wait, the Caillou the show. Yes. The little kid. Yes. Five eight. Five eight. How does? One hundred and seventy one pounds. What? Google it. I don't believe. It. Okay, I believe you. It's true. I th- I thought you were saying like Caillou, not like Japanese oh is ahead. I wasn't thinking the of what. Like, kid. I just thought I just thought Japanese. I wasn't thinking of the French kid from whatever. Oh my god. And how old was he? Was how old? Was four. He? He's four. And why is it five eight? I don't know, but like, it just blew up yesterday. Like Twitter was talking about it or something. All right, I okay. I don't know if I believe this. Uh, I mean, I believe it blew up. I don't believe it's true. Oh. Um, where am I? Blah 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 blah. Oh, you so said it was when I looked it up. So. Okay, sure. Just, Google would never lie to me. Did you corroborate with three different sources, independent sources? No, I'm going to do that. Like I just said, exactly. school, over. That has nothing to do with Brain school. Brain cells, defunct. That's why we're where we are. Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, so Tracy's parents were very happy that Manny was the roommate. They were from, They knew each other from high school, that kind of thing. Especially now with this going on, they just thought, all right, well, you know, she could come home or at least Manny's there, that kind of thing. Um well, the killer broke through a window again, Ugh. carrying again the pistol, knife, and duct tape. He went to Manny's room first, where he plunged the knife into Manny's chest deep enough that it actually cut his vertebrae. Oh, my God. However, Manny did try to fight back. Good. And as much as he could. So I don't know if he was paralyzed instantly or not. I mean, from the waist down or whatever. Right. But um, the killer just kept stabbing Manny in the arms, the chest, the neck, the face, pretty much everywhere, and killed him. The commotion, though, woke up Tracy. Tracy then came out of her room, peered into the bedroom of Manny to see what was going on, the carnage that's happening. So she quickly ran back to her room, attempting to lock the door. However, the killer broke open the door, taped her mouth shut, taped her arms around her back, cut off her clothes, assaulted her, and then placed her on her stomach, where he stabbed her to death. Oh, my God. He then mutilated the body, posed with it again, posed the body as well as posing himself with the body, and then left. Oh, my God. When Manny didn't report to work on Tuesday, so we already had a press conference Monday night. 
Oh okay. my god. He, the police were alerted, of course, because it's all in similar yeah, vicinity. It's like the high again, alert, press you know? conference was you know less than twenty four hours old. Police find the bodies of Manny and Tracy. So now Gainesville is completely in panic mode, you know. Well, I should say, they were already in panic mode from the other killings. They're now, like, in chaos mode. Um, And the police are getting skewered by both the local, state, national news, politicians, everyone just being, like, how inept they are. How can they not be capturing anybody? Because it wasn't as if the crime scenes were, like, these, nothing was left. There was blood everywhere. Like, you know, it was... They're just like, how can no one have heard, seen anything? Like, it, it's just one of those things where this was a bloodbath. There's got to be physical evidence and there's got to be a way. And these are happening so fast and so quick that this this is crazy. Wow. And again, the vicinity, they're, they're close enough within miles of each other. So with also trophies being taken, they just thought that this would be something that would be a little bit easier well, I shouldn't say easier. They just thought they would have some suspects in mind or leads, which they didn't. Now, to add killer, to add to the chaos, the killer finally got his nickname. The press, of course, coined the killer the Gainesville Ripper due to the mutilation and the number of victims within a week. Oh, my God. That did not help put any of the public's minds at ease or anybody at ease, really. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame him. No leads, five deaths. in less than a week. So how does... They're trying to shut down the city, this, that, curfews, everything. Now they're looking for suspects. Of course, they put up a tip line and the phone is ringing off the hook. Anybody's boyfriend that spurned them, um, somebody that looked different, any just... And they're trying to track down as much as possible. However, one name kept coming up. One Edward Humphrey, 18 years old. That's young. He was also a college student. Well, kind of college student, on and off kind of thing. He was the manager of the Gatorwood apartment complex where Manny and Tracy lived. Interesting. Wait, he's the manager of the whole complex? Yeah, I don't know what that actually means, but who knows. Sounds prestigious. He was known to sleepwalk. Oh. He was known to be violent. Oh. He would fight with the maintenance workers of the of the complex, the Jeez. landscapers, um many witnesses came forward saying that so he, he had at, i think he worked at another complex before this one and he actually got kicked out not only from the apartment he was running by his roommates but by the the his boss as well because it was found out that he would enter tenants homes rooms you oh know oh my god just to go in i don't think he stole anything like that he was peeping through windows um Ugh. and he'd also just kind of like just chat up women whenever he could that kind of thing so everybody thought he was just kind of skeezy and they yeah. they were not too keen about it um but before he moved to Gainesville he lived in Colorado and there he was arrested for indecent exposure as well as other violent conduct his grandmother actually bailed him out went to to Colorado and brought him back to Gainesville and actually tried to help him find an apartment his mother lived in Gainesville but she had nothing to do she was like I'm not having anything <laughs> not even right wow. so for weeks, he was looking for an apartment. So all bet- before getting this other job, other witnesses had seen how he was violent towards his grandmother, like just belligerent, screaming, that kind of thing. So there was definitely something not right with Humphrey. So soon after the last murders had happened, Tracy and Manny, police would um, be called to the grandmother's house because he apparently struck the grandmother. 
Oh my god. So the the mother the mother basically said you need to press charges, call the police. So they came in and that kind of started. Like so now they have the guy. They had heard about the guy. They actually kind of were tailing him for a little bit as well. So they got the guy. This is it. He's crazy. These all these weird things. Like, I mean, this just fits the thing. Something tells me this is not the guy. So he was arrested and he was interrogated for twenty four hours. Whoa. Trying to get him to confess. They didn't let him have a lawyer, anything. Whoa. The police had believed they had found their number one suspect. What they also found out was that he was kind of sweet on Tracy, that he tried to hit on her a couple of times and, you know, when I guess there was a pool, so they would watch her, that kind of thing, that kind of thing. Um, But again, everybody and anybody that knew him was coming out saying, weirdo, yeah, we could see this being him. Wow. So for the next couple of months, you know, they have him in here for um, assault, but they're trying to build a case on the murders. Gathering evidence, whatever they can, they're not finding much evidence at all. Right. So he would start his trial for assault, and the grandmother even would drop charges, but it was too late. She would even say that he didn't hit her, that it was made up at the trial, but he got sentenced to 22 months. Um, And the police kept the the investigation going while he was in jail. But you got to remember, he was all over the news. Like, this is the guy. Like, the family was being, you know, completely bombarded by the president like that. He would be released in September of 91, and they were still considered a main suspect for these murders. Interesting. So family is kind of destroyed after this happening. He had mental illness. They discovered that while he was in in jail, too. So I think he he didn't serve all 22 months. It was within a year. Okay. On August 28th of 1990, so same period of time where after the murders had stopped, I should say that after they had arrested Humphreys, the murders where nothing ever happened after that. Those five were it. So the only uh, evidence they really thought was like, well, we got this guy. And then it they stopped. stopped. Right. Although that's that's a good way if you're a serial killer, once they arrest someone, just stop. I mean, you might not be able to, but. Right, 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 right. So on the 28th of August, so that's a few, that's like the day after Manny and Tracy's body, I think, was found. I don't know, maybe it was killed earlier. Mm. Um, police were surveilling, survey, um, had surveillance on uh, Humphrey, right? Uh-huh. During that same time, there was a robbery at the First Union National Bank by a Tony Danzi and a Daniel Harold Rawlings. Rawlings had built a campsite in the woods and was bringing Danzi to it after this this robbery. Uh-huh. As they were making their way to the campsite, police noticed these two, I don't want to say they were homeless, but just kind of like, you know, just out of place characters walking kind of near the woods. Interesting. So the police uh, ensued. So Danzi stayed put. But Rawlings took off. Oh. Right? The police then went after um, Rawlings. Rawling, sorry. <laughs> Rawlings saying Rawlings. It's Rawling. Oh. <laughs> singular. Went after Rawling. And um, as they went through it, he, he escaped them through the woods, but they found the campsite. Oh. And as they're going, they confiscate everything. They find money <gasps> with the pink dye and everything like that. So they're like, we got him. This is the robber. Like, we know. And they go back to Danzi, but they were... He didn't. He was just seems to be in the wrong place, wrong time. They right. have no evidence it was him, this or that. So they basically let him go. But they're they're watching. They're him. tailing him. Yeah. Rawling. They they find evidence. So they identify both Danzi. They identify Rawling yep. as these bank robber robbers. Within the day later or something, Danzi and um, Rawling meet, and Danzi's like, "Dude, what? You know, like we're in trouble." And 
Ron's like, well, what happened? You know, did they, and he's like, they didn't do anything, but I know they got to be following us, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. They got the money. I mean, they, he's like, well, they got the campsite. He's like, yeah, they were the campsite. They took everything from the campsite. Ron's like, I got to get out of Dodge. And Danzy's like, look, I'm going to turn evidence against you. Like, you can't just leave me the lurch. And Ron's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Rawling then, the next day, steals a car. Ooh. Like from some college student, burgles a bunch of ha- homes to get money to get out of the area as much as possible. Interesting. Danzy, of course, is still being followed, and there he's like, "Look, we're not arresting you. We 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 believe you're a suspect, but don't leave town." Yeah, makes sense. Right. So Rawlings now out. He's concerned that this campsite has been confiscated. All this inf- all these things. Danzy's like, "I don't understand why you're worried about that. I mean, they have the money, but whatever." Um, and Rawling is on his way out to wherever he can get out and go. Uh-huh. On his way out, he still needs money. He ends up robbing a Winn-Dixie supermarket. Oh, I've heard of those. And this is like in September. So we're talking, you know, maybe a week, 10 days after the, the robbery. robbery and then like that. He goes in like broad daylight in front of everybody, has a gun, tries to uh, rob it. There was a guy, there was a woman in the back. Um, the the, the um, I think the, the accountant or something calls the police immediately. So yeah. of course he's trying to leave. The cops pursue. They catch him. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so now he's the first Union Bank robbery, and now this Winn Dixie supermarket. He completely cooperates with the police. Like you know, all right. I mean, there's nothing you got me. He's you know. caught red-handed. And they're they're at a point where like you know they plead guilty. He's gonna deal with this these um these uh robberies and everything like that they're like all right we've closed the case everything's great january 1st 1991 yeah he's in jail wait 91 i thought you already were in 91 no we were in 1990 right september of 1990 the- i thought you said we were we were already in 91 whatever it's fine probably my fault oh 91 was when um september of 91 was when uh Humphrey got released oh. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i did say 91 yeah right so oh, we're okay, still like okay. so that's when Humphrey. but now this we're in 91. We're still in 90 with everything happening like within weeks. Okay. But now, New Year, 19, he's in the jail cell. And all of a sudden, he gets so angry that he rips the toilet out of the concrete wall what? of his cell and throws it across the cell. How much room's in the cell? How big I, are jail cells? Who knows? Okay, continue. So immediately... They're like, whoa, we've never seen, you know, he's been cooperative, this and that. There's some dark side here. You know, the attorneys get involved. Now the attorney's like, we're, we're withdrawing our plea guilty, our, our guilty plea for the robberies. He needs a psych eval, blah, blah, blah. They're like just trying to figure out what's going on. I have no idea what the attorney knows. But now they're kind of saying that this is, this is, this not, is right. not a guy yeah. who's just, you know, he just seemed to be the model um, prisoner? prisoner. Wow. And he also has a run-in mouth. So now... Other folks are listening to some stories and he starts talking about these things and mm-hmm. murders, blah, blah, all sort of stuff. On February 15th, so this is basically between that incident of 91, mm-hmm. right, and the start of his tra- trial, he's talking. Years go by, all right? Now remember, Humphrey's still a suspect here. It's February 15th of 1993. Whoa. Rowling confesses. To the murders? To all the murders. Oh, my God. And he's basically talking about how they happened, why did he, he's going to blame a bunch of other people and everything else. He would go to trial. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to death. Oh, wow. And he was executed by lethal injection 
on October 25th of 2006. Whoa. But right before his execution, he would confess to three other murders. Whoa. In 1989, in Shreveport, Louisiana, he killed three people. A Julie Grissom, 24 years old. A Sean Grissom, who was eight years old, Julie's nephew. And Tom Grissom, 55, who was Julie's dad. Whoa. When he got arrested for the, finally confessed and got arrested for the murders of the Gainesville folks, the folks in Shreveport were like, this sounds very similar. Julie Grissom was found um, bound, taped, clothes cut off, stabbed in the back, like almost identical, body posed in a certain position. So they immediately thought that this is our guy, but they had no evidence to prove it. So right before his execution is when he confessed and said, I killed. So he basically had killed eight people. Eight people, yeah. So to wrap it all up. Okay. Kevin Williamson, Uh the writer of Scream, was growing up during this time. He actually lived, I think, in one of the Carolinas. And he was watching this news as it was happening. Like the murders itself, before even the capturing or like that, he said he would have nightmares every night of somebody breaking into his home with a knife ready to kill himself. So he just said it was in his brain all that time. He ended up writing the screenplay of, and I'm not going to give away, you have to watch Scream to see what happened, but about a knife-wielding killer. And he ended up talking to Wes Craven. He ended up selling it for like $400,000 to Lionsgate or something like that. Wes Craven got involved, helped polish the script as well, and then they built this incredible franchise. Wow. And they added like a bunch of the other things of the other slasher films. But the premise of the killer itself and how the killer killed was based on the Gainesville Ripper. Wow. Now, Rawling... As this time was going on, he was interviewed by agents. They were trying to understand the mind of a killer, like the whole thing that you see with the FBI the kind of thing. And stuff like that. He blamed all of his upbringing for the crimes. His, his, he also blamed his wife, uh, who, who divorced him. Good. Uh, right before this first killings happened and he got into crime. And I'm not sure what his wife looked like, but all the women that died that he killed were brunettes. And they, very, they all had similar... Um, characteristics and hair length and all these other things so they weren't sure if that was part of it Um, his dad abused him while growing up his dad was also a cop and not sexually but physically his dad never wanted kids like basically when found out that his wife was pregnant like would beat him when he had his brother beat him too got worse of course Um, his wife actually left him a couple times but always came back to him so he it was just a bad bad childhood here's the crazy thing though at one point um rawling took a gun and shot his dad in the head twice whoa and did not kill him (gasps) he went blind like put a bullet in his eye whatever like he survived the the father survived he's so this you know his the father got shot yeah when this all came out and about him killing and he's like i don't i don't I, i can't see him killing Women. So what? he still thought at the time that, okay, I know he gets shoot and he's violent, but he's not going to mutilate women. So just to throw that, throw that out there. What in the world? Now, at the end, Rowling did confess a lot. So he confessed about these murders, but he also confessed that a film had influenced him. Oh, no. Into his serial killer spree. It is known fact that right before he killed... Um, all the women yeah. in the Gainesville, he had watched The Exorcist 3. 
Oh my god. And in The Exorcist 3, which is a terrible film that I'm not giving anything away, don't ever watch it. Uh, <laughs> there was a killer in the film called The Gemini. The Gemini. He said his dark personality was the Gemini. No one believed in the whole split personality kind of thing, but the Gemini was about killing, he would talk about killing eight people and this and that and everything. And in the end, he did kill eight people. Yeah. Uh, they they knew, again, like I said, that he had watched the movie, but he kind of hung on that part that he just vividly remembered the exorcist, this killer, and that was what did. So, How do you put a killer in the exorcist? It's a different... The Exorcist 3 is just different. Um, <laughs> so a movie sort of inspired a killer whose acts inspired, inspired movie. another movie. That's the world we live in. Wow. That's the Gainesville Ripper. Holy moly. That's insane. There we go. Wow. All right. So the fun fact this week is about Scream. Um, All right. So... When uh, the movie came out, uh, sales for caller ID skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good movie. I remember when I saw it, I uh, I I liked it a lot. I did. I mean, there was a bunch of others, and it's it's well done. Um, I, yeah, we're gonna have to get you. Got to have to watch a couple more movies, and then you should watch it. I didn't. I, I don't know if I watched all in the trilogy. I don't know if it's even a trilogy, maybe more. And then it was a TV show on on. Oh, I've heard of the TV yeah. show. It, it, it's well done. The it's well done. I don't know what Kevin Williamson did after Scream. Like what other movies? I don't know if he stayed in the horror genre or not. But but uh, yeah, I could get the color ID thing. It's 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 it's, it's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, is that should we go into our spiel or is there anything else yeah since i have to now edit <laughs> and get this out tonight <laughs> whoops okay um so if you would like to submit your own fun facts to us or if you have a story suggestion or something that you've experienced that you want us to know about uh whether it be true crime paranormal all that fun stuff uh, then email it to us. Our Gmail is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit it through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. Uh, there's also visuals from every episode on there. So check that out. It's really cool. Um, we are on Instagram at everythinginpodcast, on Twitter at between underscore podcast. We have a Facebook uh, page and a group, both by the name Everything In Between Podcast. Uh, we post when new episodes are out. We post hints for the episodes, um, fun stuff like that. So follow us there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really, really helps. Um, and also, if you haven't noticed, uh, all of our, our titles for our episodes are the names of songs, which we have compiled into a playlist on Spotify called The Soundtrack In Between. So check that out. It's really cool. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess see you next week. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be back on our regular schedule, but I doubt it. <laughs> You're going to jinx it again. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, cool. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.